and welcome to another episode of Game Sense, the newest Australian women's football podcast. On today's episode, we'll hear from Central District Captain Shelby Smith after the Bulldogs had a spirited win over West Adelaide in the Sanford Women's, as well as Williamstown recruit Bridie Kennedy and how she's enjoying her time in the VFLW. Of course, we'll bring you not only the results and talking points from those competitions, but also from the AFLW and Wafflew, with the latter playing its first round on the weekend. All that and more in Game Sense. All right, first up, we're going to be chatting all things AFLW, and to do that, of course, I'm joined by Rookie Me Central women's football analyst Elise Collette. How are you today, mate? Good. Thank you for having me. That's very good to hear. Of course, um, we're going to run you through the results. I'll read out all of the round seven action. Of course, we had the Western Bulldogs opening and closing the show, but the first game, they went down, or sorry, they beat Geelong 3-10-28 to 2-4-16. Then we had GWS 0-5-5 losing to Adelaide 5-15-45. Carlton finally got back on the board with a win 7-6-48 over St Kilda 0-2-2. Another goalless feat there. West Coast were next 7-3-45 going down to Richmond 10-8-68. We then had North Melbourne 6-2-38 defeating Collingwood 2-3. 15 and lastly for the round seven fixtures Brisbane 4832 losing to Melbourne 5535 we then had a round three game which was postponed that one went down last night as we're recording this podcast so that was Gold Coast 6545 drawing level with the Bulldogs 6541 which I believe I mucked up but we'll go with it you know what I mean Uh, we're going to move straight into the talking points so Ali uh, talk to me a little bit about that Monday night thriller between Brisbane and Melbourne. Of course, your D's getting up in a pretty important game uh, with relation to the top six. Uh, firstly, thanks for the heart attack, D's. Bloody hell. Anyway, but full credit to Brisbane. They were the far more dominant side in the first half. Coming off a short break, something like four games in 13 days, and they didn't look it. They looked like the Brisbane side we, we've known to come, come to know and love throughout this season and then something clicked at half time. I don't know what it was that mixed in here said. I would love to have been a fly on the wall in that change room. But yeah, then Melbourne just kept building and building and then yeah, it all came down once again to a Greta Bodie kick after the final siren. But it fell fell short and the D's came home and yes, yes, it is um very um what's the word? consequential, if I can even think of the right word. Yeah, we'll go with um, that. For, for finals because this now leaves this weekend's Melbourne North game as a, as a battle for top two, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, of course, you know, we go from one thriller to the other. The Gold Coast and Bulldogs, that draw on Tuesday night, pretty awesome game to watch, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And another one that could have been very telling in terms of the, the um, ultimate finish of the finals, Gold Coast, they were looking really good and the Bulldogs were looking really tired. Gold Coast had a four goal lead at um at three quarter time and just and just blew it. They dogs dogs came out hard in the final term and yeah, came back to, to draw the match. Speaking of the Bulldogs, of course, that leans into the schedule which has been talked about plenty. Um we very much appreciate what these players are doing at the moment. But three games in a week for the Bulldogs, how's that gonna impact them, you think? It's it's ridiculous what they have to do. So credit to to everyone that has to try and make this work from every team. But, yeah, three games in a week and something like six in 25 days, I, I heard, which is just ridiculous. So, yeah, I think it's going to be 
it's going to be telling, but passages in, in both their games over the weekend where they didn't look like they'd been playing six games in 25 days or something ridiculous. So, yeah, I think in the next couple of weeks it's going to be very telling because the top top four at the moment haven't had any COVID can- cancellations of their games, which might might prove vital towards the end of the season. Absolutely. Of course, they probably did need to win that game against Gold Coast. They came home strongly but couldn't quite get over the line. Um, St Kilda, again, um, like we've spoken about pretty much every week, I think, um, struggling at the moment. Of course, the equal lowest score on the weekend against Carlton, who got back on the winner's list. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that matchup. Uh, yeah, it It's sad, sad to watch St Kilda at the moment because... They've got the talent there. They just their game plan is just crumbling, crumbling like a cookie, for want of a better metaphor. They bomb long bombs into fifty, which the likes of Lalafi and Pound just just ate up on the weekend. Poor transition, poorly structured zones. They were picked apart on the rebound, which is yeah, and that's in addition to having no Rosie Dillon, no Leah Cutting, no Patricio Snow Smith, which we've mentioned a dozen times already this season, but also no Olivia Vesley, who has apparently been managed since round four, which leaves you to wonder where, where her position really lies. So they're gonna they need a need a plan B because their plan A is just being pulled apart by the seams at the moment. Yeah, non Vesley obviously coming off that long term injury um, last year, so maybe just getting up to scratch with the earlier season. But lastly on the talking points, um, Another team that's in well in a bit of strife, had a bit of trouble over the last few weeks in GWS. Um, another side, or the other side this round, that went goalless. So um, what was it about the Giants that didn't quite click? Yeah, that's a good question because in two rounds now, they almost went goalless. It was, they kicked their one goal with like three minutes to go against Melbourne. So I don't think experience is the answer, which is what they were trying to do it against the D's. To be fair, they were playing Adelaide on the weekend and Adelaide at Norwood is always always difficult unless you're the Bulldogs. So I think, yeah, just, just blood the kids, just get the experience into them because as much as I don't want to say it, but yeah, this is, pro- this is really a, a kind of a wasted year for GWS. So I think they've got three, four games left, including tonight's game. So I think, yeah, just blood the kids, get the experience into them. And just look ahead to to 2023. All right, we've put a line through the Giants for season 2022. Thank you, Ali, for joining me. We'll have you back on to discuss all things VFLW. But after a very short break, we're going to join, or I'm going to be joined by Peter Williams, and we're going to talk all things Sample W. Hope you stayed with us here on the Game Sense podcast. I'm now going to be joined by. Uh, Rookie Me Central Chief Editor Peter Williams to chat about the Sample W. And firstly, um, I will ask how you are, Peter, today. Yeah, no, really good. Um, it was great actually to get across to South Australia. It was uh, my first time really seeing Sample W live. Uh, obviously, I've been there for the champs, but to see it live is, is just a fascinating experience, especially with all the home uh, crowd advantages and things like that. So it was really great to get across. And uh, yeah, I was, I was happy enough to see all four of them, which was really exciting. Yeah, save me asking you. I didn't even have to do so. Of course, you've uh, made it well known that you're over there 
between us this week. So very jealous that you got to make the trip over. I'm going to read out the results from all four games. Hopefully I can do a better job of it this time around. But of course, Norwood first up, 4-5-29 defeated. Wolverwurst Torrens, 2-9-21 by eight points there. West Adelaide, 6-6-42, lost out to Central District, 8-4-52 in an absolute thriller. Enjoyed watching that game. Sturt, 1-4-10 defeated North Adelaide, 0-7-7 in another nail-biter. And South Adelaide, 4-3-27, lost to Glenelg, 5-6-36. The average margin, Pete, 7.5 points. Yeah. Uh, you picked a good weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Like They're all right down to the wire. Like Teams had control uh, at different points in the match, but um, there was no game that was guaranteed even midway through the last quarter kind of thing. So it was definitely a game where, like a round as a whole, where you kept you guessing and that and that's the best kind of footy and as a neutral sort of fan I know there's a lot of people at those matches that are certainly not neutral fans they love their side but as a neutral fan it was fantastic to watch because it just shows how even the competition is so uh, yeah it's, it's just great to see and we're going to jump into a few talking points of course the first one Norwood they've won two in a, in a row now excuse me kicked three goals in five minutes during the second term there's a bit of a game-breaking streak there wasn't it Pete yeah, absolutely. They uh, yeah, they had a real busy second term uh, where they were able to really get on top. Uh, the Eagles had looked like they had the momentum. They'd kicked the first uh, first goal through Jess Sedenry um, after both teams went sort of goalless in the first quarter. And the Eagles seemed to have most of the momentum. They kicked uh, four behinds in that first term. So they had a lot of chances, couldn't capitalise. I know by the end of the game Mackenzie Dowry kicked one three so she had a few chances on goal but it was all the young uh, red legs really that stepped up you had Jade Halfpenny's had an absolutely outstanding season you've got Sachi Syme you've got Lana Schwert they were all amongst their best players and then you had the experience behind the ball in Ellie Farrell and, and Sophie Armistead like there, there were so many players that just stood up Morgan Johnston as well so they had those uh, I guess players in there that were able to really take control and um, they were able to nullify Shania Goody as well through the midfield who's the key player for Eagles so with her nullify they were able to really uh, yeah take full advantage and um, it was a much better homecoming from, than their first game because of course they, they played at Cooper's up against Glenelg and, and got wiped off the park so that would have been a much better result for the home crowd and uh, the Eagles did sort of hit back hard later in the game but uh, yeah it was Norwood who uh, came up trumps in that one. How about Central's, Pete? Um, an inspired performance from Georgia McKee. Last three goals to win the game. Uh, sealed it off after Westies challenged them. Um, they finally got a win on the board and, and finished a team off, which is good to see. Yeah, absolutely. Like at, at one stage, the you know Bulldogs got out to quite a comfortable lead. They, I think they'd sort of kicked four consecutive goals to really... Um, get out to a, a bit of a buffer. They they looked like they were going to run away with it for a, for a change um, because obviously the last couple of weeks has been probably a little bit disappointing, not through lack of effort, but just through playing four quarters uh, of football. And it looked like they were going to run away. And then suddenly West Adelaide found its gear. Uh, we know they finished grand final last year. They found its gear. Um, and, and then the blood just sort of poured them on, kicked five goals and uh, Abby Ballard kicked the, the fifth one uh, consecutively to go up by eight points early in the fourth. And it looked like, you know, West Adelaide were going to start really um, taking control and, and running away with it. But then along came Georgia McKee, as you sort of alluded to. And, um, you know, she's 15 and, and kicked three really sensational goals. Um, you know, a couple from snaps and then one from a set shot to finish it off. And, um, yeah, she really stood up when it counted and, and certainly one to watch in the coming years. 
OG McKee, I think, was one of the headlines yep. you went with. Um, next up, Sturt, of course, in a one-goal game, um, kicked it with only five minutes remaining. Were you sort of getting ready to write the headlines about a goalless one? Yeah, well, it was certainly a very odd one because North Adelaide had all the play in the first half, mostly. They had seven behinds to one at half time, um, but they just couldn't put it on the board. And that was credit to Sturt's defence. They were forcing them into troubling positions. They weren't getting them good looks close to goal. Um, and even when it was, um, they weren't getting good chances because they were missing because of the pressure. And the second half, Sturt really started to to get that momentum. They kept North Adelaide sort of, uh, well, they kept them scoreless after half time, which was fantastic effort. And um, yeah, really started to control play themselves. They had a lot of the play inside 50 late. Um, Christy Harvey was sensational for the Roosters. Just, I think had 12 rebounds to go with 22 touches and about the same amount of marks. Like she was just absolutely outstanding. Had about four contested, I think, and um, just really held on uh, for as long as she could. And it, it just took a bit of dare from, from the double blues and then a running uh, goal there from Alicia Healy who who kicked it and then unfortunately sort of landed on India Rashid and she got injured and had to come off so hopefully she's okay um, but yeah Sturt managed to get that goal uh, I think it was just before the 16 minute mark so there were just over four minutes remaining and they got the goal and uh, got the win which was important because now they remain undefeated and um, yeah are well clear on top which is uh, a good result for them against some quality opposition. Yeah, we hope for Roger and India Rashid that uh, the latter is completely fine after that incident. Uh, of course, rounding out the results in a sense, Jess Waterhouse kicked all four goals for South Adelaide. It just wasn't enough, though, as Glenelg got up over them. So tell me a little bit about that performance and that result. Yeah, it was an interesting game because South Adelaide only had one inside 50 in the first quarter and it was a goal uh, to Waterhouse. And um, Glenelg had most of the play throughout that, but they couldn't quite capitalise as much as they'd like. Um, South managed to claw it back a bit and it wasn't too dissimilar after that first quarter to the Sturt-North Adelaide game um, because there were only a few goals kicked and certainly I think there was basically two and three. Um, And South managed to just stay within arm's length. They... Um, you know, we're still only the 11 points down at the final break. And even though Glenelg kind of had most of the momentum and, and the play, uh, South were always a chance. And, and Waterhouse just keeps kicking goals. She kicked four. And uh, I remember it was probably not enough time left. Uh, Piper Window had just kicked what looked like the winning goal. And then uh, there were two players running towards the boundary line, the Glenelg defender and Am Waterhouse. And unfortunately, she had one of those absolute horrific bounces that went straight over her head into Waterhouse's arms. And, and she's got enough power and speed to just already be heading to goal, took a few bounces and, and kicked it. But by that stage, there was only a couple of minutes left. So, and with nine points, the difference, it was a bit hard to, to get back on top, but they gave it a real crack. And, and certainly she's one to, to keep an eye on. They've uh, had a good, good season so far South, despite meant to be sort of rebuilding there. They're having a really good season. I know they've only won the one, but uh, certainly are performing strongly when they do lose. And just to round out the Sample W chat, um, seems the mature ages are playing pretty well. Of course, you spoke of just Waterhouse there. Who are a few of the other names to watch out for? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I mentioned Halfpenny earlier. Um, you know, she's had a really, really good start to the season. You've got Alex Ballard, uh, Kira Mueller, who's only one year out. She's technically an overager, but only one year out, um, had her injury concerns, which is why she hasn't really had 
um, continuity to play at champs or things like that. But she's a really strong defender, like someone who can rebound really well. And I, I think I read that she's sort of disposing of it at about 98%. So she's a lovely kick of the ball, very offensive. Um, Jess Bates at Glenelg's having another great season, along with Ali Kalak, of course, captain, and um, Shelby Smith as well as one of the older options. Uh, of course, I think she's 29 um, this year. So, uh, but yeah, there's there's quite a few really good uh, mature ages with Port coming in. They'll want some experience to go with their kids uh, too. All right, that's it for our Sample W chat, of course. Thanks, Pete. You sit tight. We'll have you back later on to talk about the Waffle W. But we're going to throw now to an interview with our very own Peter Williams, uh, who chatted to Shelby Smith, of course, the Central District's captain. So, um, yeah, have a listen. All right, I'm here with Central District captain Shelby Smith. Shelby, uh, I guess first off, give us a bit of a rundown into the game and how you sort of found it, first win of the season. Well, obviously, we were coming off two losses, so it was good to get the win. Um, we obviously went in really hungry today. I think we really wanted that win. We've been training really hard and trying to fix up areas that we've been working on. So it was nice to get the win. Absolutely. And, and I guess you, obviously we saw with Georgia McKee in that last quarter, just give us a bit of rundown to her as a, as a player and, and that performance. Oh, she is a freak. Like, there's no other word to describe her. She kicks goals that not many other people could. So she's one to watch out for. And... I put money on it that she'll be playing AFL and I can't wait. Like, it's it's an honour to play with someone like her. Absolutely. And obviously, that you got challenged there. You looked good in that sort of first half. West challenged you. They got, a, you know, that eight points in front. How did you sort of feel at that point? Did you think you could sort of turn it around? Um, I think, yeah, today we had the belief that we can win any game if we string together four quarters. And um, they obviously came back at us. But I think with some composure, we got through the game and, yeah, got the win. Yeah, absolutely. And and what do you sort of think that you need to do on a, a week-to-week basis to really uh, keep ticking over the wins? Um, obviously, we've got a new coach, so we just need to work on our structure with him and find a bit of belief that um, that's going to help us win games. And, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And is this one of the, the better wins that you've sort of had in the career? A win's a win. Yeah, yeah. They all feel yeah. as good as each other. But, yeah, it was nice coming off the two losses and obviously in the trial games um, we might have lost a bit of respect. So I feel like each week our goal is to gain a bit of respect back and I think we definitely did that today. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what do you sort of see as your own personal strengths on the field? Um, I just like to lead by example. Um, I'll throw my head over the ball. I will literally do what anyone needs to do to win a game and help the team get over the line. And are you sort of aspiring to potentially reach the top level if you can with Port coming in? Oh, absolutely. I would um, give anything a crack. Um, I know my age is against me, but I would try as hard as anyone else. But if the opportunity arised, absolutely. But if it doesn't, I'm happy to play at Centrals until I can't no more. Yeah, fair enough. And obviously you've, you've sort of had this club in your blood, if you like, th- through your dad and everything. So how's it sort of been like growing up through that and then playing, um, I guess, coming into this later on compared to others how's that sort of experience been yeah I guess um starting football later because I've only played for about three four years it would have been nice to play at a younger age but um the opportunity is amazing and I'm so grateful that I get to play at a club that my dad obviously played at and it feels like home to me so I cherish it and yeah it's an honor and what does it mean to captain the club as well oh yeah it's amazing um I love centrals and I wouldn't play at any other club um, so to be able to be given that opportunity and knowing that my dad did, yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty cool. Awesome. No worries. That's pretty much That's- it.
That was our very own Peter Williams with Central District skipper Shelby Smith. Now we're going to have Elise Collette rejoin me to chat about the VFLW. I'll run you through the results first, though, and hopefully I don't run out of breath. First up, Casey Demons, 8-8-56, defeated Darabin, 2-2-14. We then had the Western Bulldogs, 1-1-7, losing another heavy one to Williamstown, 8-9-57. Carlton got its first win on the board, 5-3-33 to St Kilda's, or the Southern Saints, 3-7-25. Geelong, 5-3-33 as well, defeated Hawthorne, 2-3-15. North Melbourne, five straight 30, lost to Collingwood, 6-6-42. And rounding out the results, Essendon, 12-7-79 defeated Port Melbourne, 2-4-16. So, on to the talking points, Ali. Um, Essendon had another big win. Are they the premiership favourites? That is the eternal question. They were, again, they were brilliant on the weekend. And from what I've seen, I know it's only round two, but... Maybe, yeah, there is maybe. Just, yeah, based off. Yes or no? Fine, yes. Yes, good. <laughs> I'm such a fence sitter sometimes. But if you take a look at their lineup, their their forward line is so varied and so dangerous because you've got the likes of Renee Tierney down there, Mary Clifford, plus some shorter players in like in your Cecilia McIntosh's, your Natalie McDonald's being fed the ball. From a midfield that contains the likes of Jordan Zanchetta and Georgia Nanscorn, who who were just a formidable pair on the weekend. Um, Port didn't have any answers for them. And then you've also got the likes of Danielle Marshall in defence, who reads the play really well. Yes, she has played a bit of fo- bit of forward as well, but she's pr- turning out to be a really good defender as well because she was playing a bit of that goalkeeper role on the weekend, and she also reads the play really well and. Her boot is ridiculous. She can kick at something like 60 metres. So, yeah, they're they're a very complete team talent-wise and they're also a very well-structured team. So, yeah, they're going to be one, one hell of a team to beat this year. They're operating very nicely, of course, on the eve of their AFLW entrance. Um, the Bulldogs, I guess from one end of the scale to the other, they've had 98 and 50-point losses. Of course, their total scoreline reading 117 to the opposition's 23-17-155. So, um, yeah, it doesn't look pretty, Ali. Have they been as bad as it seems? Uh, poor Bulldogs. Um, yeah, they had another shocker on the weekend. Their only goal came in the third term. And then, for the most part, they're just being outplayed in both both games. If you take a look at the stats from the game on the weekend... The inside 50 count was 40 to 19 in favour of the Seagulls. The Bulldogs actually won the hit out count, but they just, they didn't win the clearances. So they were, they were getting first use of the ball, but not able to get it to their own midfielders and, and make something of it. So yeah, I think it's going to be a long season for the Bulldogs, but hopefully as the, as cliche as it is, the only way is up. Absolutely. Uh, you've labelled a few of the games or the results as shock results in round two. Um, which one of them were in particular? They, I guess they're not shock results per se. They're just shock compared to what transpired in round one. Because in round two, you had the Southern Saints who beat the 19-time undefeated <laughs> Collingwood, but then lost to Carlton who couldn't beat Geelong. Mm. Speaking of the cats, they 
beat the Hawks, who had a comfortable win over North in round one. And then North lost to Collingwood, who lost to the Saints in round one. So I think that's, if nothing else, that's a sign of how even the competition is going to be this year because there has been a lot of list turnover. I was speaking to the various coaches in the preseason and a lot of them said that there's been a lot of list turnover, some up to about like 50-odd percent. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the very varied results continue in the next couple of weeks. But, yeah, if it means an even competition, I'm all for it. Absolutely. That's what we want to see. Uh, Rounding out the talking points for this week, uh, a player who is well-known, two-time All-Australian in the AFLW, probably hasn't really found very good form um, at her third club, Sabrina Frederick. Found a bit of form on the weekend, 19 disposals and four goals as the Magpies got up. Uh, tell us a bit about her game. Yeah, she had a, a brilliant game on the weekend. Four, as 19 touches and four goals, as you said, plus three marks, two tackles, two hitouts, and two clearances. So not only was she getting plenty of the ball and getting the score on the board, but she was being being a good teammate, if that's even the phrase I'm looking for. It's also useful more useful around the ground, which yeah, some people have said she, she's been a bit bit slow at AFLW this year, but going off off a, a result like that, yeah, it'd be hard to keep her in the twos for much longer. Yeah, we'll see if she can continue that form. Thank you for joining me once again, Ali. That'll round out your contribution for today, but, well, maybe not, because we're going to throw to an interview with you and Bridie Kennedy who you chatted to recently um, about all things VFLW. So we'll throw to that now. And after the break, Pete Williams will join me again to chat about the Waffle W. Uh, firstly, describe your footy journey pre NAB League days. Um, pre NAB League, um, I, was, I feel like I was forced into footy. My friend made me come down um, to my local club in Dramana and made me start kicking the footy around and... Um, I guess it was hard for myself um, trying to find my feet on a footy ground. I was so used to this little basketball court. So, um, yeah, pre-NAB league, I just, yeah, loved running around. I was in the ruck, so I've never played ruck since then. So, yeah, I really enjoyed um, playing local footy and being with a lot of friends from home. So, yeah. (laughs) And then move into NAB league with, was it the Stingrays? Yeah, played a couple of years there. Um, how did you find your NAB League days and what was it like to win joint best and fairest with Chloe Malloy? Um, it was pretty cool. I loved my NAB League years. Um, the Stingrays were such a great club. Um, I loved how they incorporated the girls and the boys as one team, really similar to here at Willie. Um, I came in as a bit of an older Stingrays, so it was good um, being a bit more mature and um, yeah, being a bit of a leader to the girls. Um, I didn't really expect to win the league BNF at the end of the year. I think that was pretty cool. Um, just to top off my final year at being at Stingrays, I think that was awesome. And then you move in, get drafted by Carlton. Yep. <laughs> what, what, what were your years at Carlton like? Um, absolutely loved my time at Carlton. I feel like I've said that about all my footy years. <laughs> absolutely loved it. Um, I think it was such a roller coaster of emotions. 
I turned 18, got my driver's license and got drafted all in one month and graduated from high school. So it was, I think it was, I was on the top of my, top of the world at that time. Um, and yeah, really loved um, my first year at Carlton, got to play a few games. Um, and then second year round, new coach, um, few new faces. I really loved my time as well. Um, so yeah, I was, I was a little bit upset when I got delisted that final year, but um, yeah, I think I've had a lot of time to reflect on that now and realising what I want to get out of my football and wanting to get back into that big league. Did you ever get told why you were delisted? Um, it was a, every year they would change the list quite a bit and I think it was they just wanted me to develop my football a bit more, get my confidence up. Um, I found, I always found that I didn't know what position I wanted to play. I was always like all over the shop. So yeah, kind of finding my feet in one position was another reason why I got the in the end. And then post AFLW, why did you why did you pick the Falks as your VFLW club to go to? Um, I think as soon as I was delisted, I was a little bit lost. Um, I had no idea what to do. Um, I was very um, upset, and um, one of the coaches at Darabin was actually um, the psychologist at um, Carlton, so she saw that I was upset and was like, "Come down to Falks. Would love to have you run around." Um, and yeah, I really loved it. it um, the Falks. It was just such a yeah, a good community club. Felt like I was back at um, like my local years again, like with that community vibe and it being all women's club as well. That was probably why the main reason I went to Falcons. You then move across to the Borough. Was that in the hope of getting drafted? Had someone at Richmond said something to you? Um, I was. I did go to Wheelie start pre-COVID for a few. Um, weeks and the coach, one of the coaches at um, Willie, he got a coaching gig at Borough so he was like, do you want to come over with me? It'll be a good opportunity for you. We're aligned with Richmond so it might help you get back into the big league. Um, so yeah, that's the main reason I went over to Borough and it was a brand new club so I wanted to like set my feet on the ground and get the ball rolling there. <laughs> And now this year, we're back at, <laughs> at Williamstown. Yeah. Why did you choose Williamstown and how have you found your time here so far? Um, so I always had a little soft spot for Williamstown. Um, my partner played in the men's team. Um, so I always wanted to join him and play at the same club. I thought we could be like a little Williamstown couple goals. <laughs> He's actually not playing this year anymore. He's focusing on his um, teaching. But um, yes. Um, I came back here, Penny got in contact with me. I was a little bit um, upset about my time at Borough and how I finished the season. I wanted to have a bit more of a consistent, probably good playing football year. Um, so yeah, coming back to Willie, I just wanted a fresh start. I knew a lot of the girls at Willie and yeah, I just knew that it was a good club to be at. So that's why I'm back here and I'm absolutely loving it. <laughs> I was saying to Penny earlier, um, I was saying, yeah, I feel like I've been around so many different clubs and so many different environments. And um, she was like, it's just your Cinderella story. You're trying to find the perfect slipper that fits. And I feel like I've really found my perfect pair of shoes. I've got to ask you about your Cinderella story. So is, that's it? That's it, that's is it? That's it, yeah. So, yeah, I did talk about it with Penny the other day. Um, but, yeah, I felt like I'd been flying around. 
around from club to club, but yeah, I really feel like I've found my feet here. Um, and just loving the girls, loving the coaches, loving that, yeah, the men, the women's loving club. And yeah, I feel like I've really found my feet. What was it like to, to come in and be named vice captain in your first year here? Um, it was a pretty amazing experience, I feel like. Um, I always loved being a leader out on the field and loved leading by example. Um, so yeah, I think it was pretty cool to actually be recognised for being a leader by my And just finally, what's what's the future goal? I'm assuming is try and get drafted again, try and get back into the AFLW. It would be pretty cool to get drafted again. Um, it's definitely not out of the picture. I feel like I'm still quite young, only being 22, so still got a few more years left playing footy in me. So hopefully um, get drafted. But if not, I'm so happy playing around here at Williamstown and staying here. So whatever the future holds, <laughs> it'll be. That was our very own Elise Collette talking to Williamstown's Bridie Kennedy, of course, a player with AFLW experience. But now going to turn to Peter Williams once again and round out the podcast with a bit of chat on the Waffle W. I will run you through the results. Um, only three games, of course, over in this competition. The first one in round one being Peel Thunder 4-8-32, defeating Subiaco 5-1-31 in an absolute nail-biter. South Fremantle 10-14-74, defeated West Perth 0-0-0 in the club's first win in history. And Claremont rounded out the results 8-12-60 with a defeat of Swan Districts 1-2-8. So, straight into the talking points, Pete. Peel Thunder, reigning premiers back-to-back. They survived a little bit of a scare with the last kick of the day. Yeah, it, it was a fantastic game to watch because they were on the back foot for the most part and you were sort of waiting, waiting, waiting for the Thunder to really, I guess, click into action and... Coming up against Subiaco, who have the experience, we know that Subiaco, along with Claremont, are going to be two of the other contenders. They're generally in this competition, a top four and then the bottom two. Um, and Subiaco really took it up to them. They looked really, really good throughout the the whole contest, really. I, I was quite impressed with a number of the experienced sort of players of Subiaco. Like we know uh, Tani Golasano was fantastic. That They had a lot of uh, ball winners through there. Amy Mulholland was one who really impressed me on a wing. She had a great... Um, battle, if you like, with Jade Britton out there, two really good runners. Um, and Mulholland being an experienced talent too, like someone who's coming in for her first game despite being mature age, uh, she really stood out. So um, full credit to Subiaco. But, uh, yeah, the last play of the day was one of the ones you you won't likely forget anytime soon because in defence they sort of kicked it quickly forward. Aisha Wright was the uh, beneficiary of that quick kick into the middle and unfortunately her opponent went down with injury and uh, she had all the open paddock because everyone was trying to lock the ball into Subiaco's uh, forward half and, and then she managed to get it to Kira Phillips who marked, looked like she was going for a set shot and then no doubt nervously when there's about 15 seconds remaining she snaps around her body instead of taking the set shot and um, yeah, she, it worked out, went through and then yeah, before they could bounce the ball the siren sounded and they'd won by a point so certainly one to uh, remember for them. Bit of miracle on grass sort of action there from the Peel Thunder. Um, South Fremantle, as I alluded to, reading out the results, their first win in club history, at least in the women's space. Uh, very su- successful men's team. Um, but yeah, after going winless for two seasons, good reward for the for the doggies. Absolutely, like they've done it pretty tough over the last couple of years. You could see the progression from last year, uh, from the previous first year. The first year they got 
uh, heavily beaten most weeks. Uh, they've had a, quite a few players sort of go out of that team through drafting. Mimstrom a couple of years ago. Um, Michaela Tuakarina last year. So they've got the talent through there and they do have a really, really young list. Um, I'll, I'll mention their two AFLW Academy members after, but, um, you know, they were really dominant. They had a real even team performance. Like they restricted West Perth to just one inside 50 whilst having, I think, 61 themselves. Or, uh, like it was just ridiculous how much they completely dominated that game, kept in their forward half. Their halfbacks pushed up to basically the wing and almost half forward. Um just to lock it in every uh, kick trying to clear from West Perth went straight to a, a Bulldogs jumper and they kept putting it back in so um, yeah they were absolutely sensational they've got the experience now to um, I guess deal with the youth as well you know your Talia Holtz your Lauren Vecchio's uh, Kiara Templeman's another one like those guys have really been I guess coming through the system alongside a lot of young players and now the young players are really improving um, yeah it was really fantastic to see and um, yeah, good on them for getting the first win nice and early because uh, had they lost this, it might have been a bit nervous given that uh, West Perth was the new side. So hopefully they can have a few more this season. Absolutely. And of course, it was a bit of a case of experience trumping youth as Claremont down Swan Districts. Talk to me a little bit about some of the players that the Swans have lost and, and how that contributed to the result. Yeah, definitely. Like Claremont went in with a pretty strong side. Looking at the teams at the selection table, you kind of almost were leaning towards Claremont based on the fact that they did look really, really strong. Uh, and, and Swan Districts had lost quite a few players. Like if, if we sort of look at the likes of Dana East, who had a breakout season, uh, got drafted, and of course now is in Fremantle's uh, colours at AFLW level. You've got Sarah Lackey, who's, who's at the same boat, you know, um, with West Coast. She's having a, a sensational year. And Brianna Hyde as well has gone over the Sample W, just to kind of name a few. And, and that gives you an idea of, um, you know, three of their easily best sort of 18 players or 16 players who really stood out um, are now gone. So, uh, and of course, Naira Anderson too uh, ended up going to Subiaco. Uh, so that, that's four straight away uh, off the top of the head. So, I mean, if we take them out, uh, you know, Clemont, the likes of Sasha Goranova was great. Kate Orm uh, came back from, of course, playing at West Coast. Um, that they just had a lot of experience. Tessa Demanis, who was one who was considered to be drafted last year, got the draft combine invite. She was really good. And of course, Alice Smith, the reigning Darakur medalist uh, for league best and fairest. They were just a bit too strong. Uh, Swan Districts do have a lot of talent uh, in their uh, squad. Uh, Abigail Bushby's one for the future, Jamie Henry. Um, but certainly they're still quite young. Um, so they might even be going through a little bit of a mini rebuild um, although once they get those AFLW players back, they'll be pretty good. So uh, they may have to gel a bit. Uh, I, I think they'll be a lot better for that run, but certainly Claremont uh, stake their case as a premiership contender. And you alluded to a couple of the younger uh, AFLW Academy prospects to watch. Um, talk to me a little bit about Lauren Wackfer and Ash Reedy and maybe some other names to keep an eye on. Yeah, certainly. Like, I mean, for those two girls particularly, they're the AFLW Academy members. So they're the names that you're going to hear a lot more about uh, throughout the year. Uh, Lauren Wackford's a really athletic ruck. She's able to um, get up high and, uh, you know, really take control of the airspace. She's strong overhead. Um, she still uh, could build extra strength uh, around the ground. She can sort of get out muscled at times. But when she's got the leap, she's very, very difficult to beat. Uh, and then, of course, Ash Reedy is quite strong overhead. She's solidly built. She's um, able to really beat opponents inside 50, one-on-one, or at ground level. She's got enough evasion that she worries uh, opponents. So she's another one that's going to be really Im important for 
uh, Western Australia when they do play some of their championship games against Waffle Clubs. Uh, and, you know, if you look across the board, like Noah McNaughton was one who came in, uh, I think, under-16s talent for South Fremantle. She was really impressive. Um, Rosie Anderson as well. They had quite a few really good prospects. And as I sort of mentioned with Swan Districts, you've got Abigail Bushby and, and Jamie Henry. And, of course, Tara Stribley played a bit of inside. Um, sort of faded out a little towards the end of the game, but certainly had a really big first half. And um, and then another one was Caitlin Shroge. Uh, sorry if I mispronounced that. Um, but, yeah, Peel Thunder, a talent for her debut. She looked really good with her speed um, coming off halfback and along a wing. So, uh, yeah, there's quite a few exciting talents that are within that WA Academy, and it's going to be good to get, I guess, more runs on the board for them. Sounds very promising, Pete. That just about wraps up our episode for today, though. Thank you, of course, for joining me, Pete, and to Elise Collette for chatting all things AFL and VFLW with me. Um, check us out at central.rookieme.com slash AFL, as well as our socials at Rookie Me Central on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. That'll allow you to keep up to date with all of our content on the leagues we covered today. I've been your host, Michael Alvaro. Hope you tune in next week.